your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off the middle, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Sunset got it! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now, your hosts, KLIM contributor, Cole Stukenholz, and sports director, Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning, and welcome to another edition of the KLIM Husker Hour. We are back together, but apart. Ish, you're on yeah. The, <laughs> you're on the Facebook Live. Caleb's there in the studio, and uh, I am here in my home. We are, uh, we're, we're getting it done. We have football Position previews continuing. We've got the specialists, the special teams. Uh, that is on the docket. Another Husker commit for the 2023 class, a D lineman. Uh, we'll get to that as well. Uh, plenty of scheduling news for a couple of programs uh, that I'm sure all of you follow. Uh, and some big news on, I mean, this is probably the lead story, Caleb, uh, the 2023 NCAA video game. Yeah. It's coming. We're I, getting we're getting closer. I thought you were going to go 2026 World Cup host cities, but well, yes, the, we'll get, the video game. We can we can get to that too. We're we're soccer guys, and I had um, it in my sports. That's how important it was this week. Well, yeah, it's very important. That's 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 going to be great. It's I I'm probably not going to get a ticket to get in there because I have four kids. Uh, but I'm going to go down and enjoy the environment. Arrowhead oh. Stadium is three hours and ten minutes from where I'm sitting right now. Just so, dang right, I looked. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I've been there before if you haven't heard. <laughs> um so and and speaking of soccer guys, we're we're going to get things started. It is uh it just so happens to be the week where we're previewing the special teams. Uh and and we have a a soccer guy and a former Husker specialist in studio right now. If you remember back to the 2019 season and the uh the situation Nebraska found themselves in with the the kickers uh, you may you may be thinking of a particular kicker. Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one either. Keep thinking, keep going. There are about there are about seventeen of them. Uh, and and in studio right now we have the guy who ended the season as the man at kicker, Matt Waldock, joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Matt, thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So I want to let, let's go back to the beginning before we get into the fun stuff. You're from Illinois. What made you come to Lincoln, Nebraska, for college? Honestly, that is a pretty good question. Um, ended up, I'm the fifth out of six kids, so had a general idea of what I wanted in a school. Most of them went to bigger schools, and uh, Nebraska was just kind of different, you know. From my high school, Chicago suburbs, you get a lot of people going to Iowa, Missouri, um, but Nebraska was kind of unique. So it was only two other kids from my graduating class that came here, and I wanted to go to a big school that had big time sports, um, and then. I really love the color red too, so it's kind of shameful, but that definitely played a part in it. So, hate to admit it, but that's definitely the truth. Did it have a major you liked, or did you just like the atmosphere when you came on a visit? Like, what what sealed the deal for for you being Nebraska? Yeah, really, probably sealing the deal was driving here first time for a visit and seeing the stadium and just thinking like, oh my god, this thing is freaking castle! Like, <laughs> this thing just looked unreal. And for me, I had pretty much no knowledge about Nebraska history. I mean, I knew they were good in the 90s and stuff, but 
literally my knowledge of Nebraska football and athletics was pretty bare minimum. So coming here, seeing the atmosphere and everything, that was probably the biggest part by far. Well, Cole, if you remember, the fall of 2019 is when I started here. Yep. So I get here, and there's already been a shuffling of who's going to be the place kicker each week. By the time we get to the end of the season, there's the Iowa game, Mm -hmm. Black Friday, and I had called during the week that we were going to get a Waldock walk-off, that you were going to kick it as time expired, and if you remember the last couple series of the game... Nebraska's driving. Yeah, that is shot. Yeah, Nebraska was driving. Cole and I are on the sideline and just going, wall dock, walk off, wall dock, walk off. It's going to happen. Yeah. And then it doesn't. And then the Iowa kicker is blowing kisses to the, the, the crowd and all of that. But. I hate that guy. <laughs> I love getting that on the air, too. I hate that guy. Are you um, kidding me? But. What a punk. Th- to take us through the. How you get contacted and then how your day is all of a sudden different. Yeah. For for a few weeks, and then obviously being there in that moment as the season comes to a close on a Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, uh, I was crazy. So I was actually serving at Lead Belly summer going into my junior year. Uh, shout out Lead Belly in the Haymarket, fantastic yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a Wednesday night, I remember, and I get a text. I'm looking at it, shifts winding down, and it's from the president of club soccer, and he's like, "Hey." football chief of staff just reached out to me and uh he's wondering if anyone on the club soccer team has any experience kicking so i'm like eh. i mean i messed around with it in high school a little in illinois soccer is the same season as football so mm-hmm. it's in the fall but when i decided i wasn't going to play college soccer i played football in my senior year uh i didn't even kick really i was technically the backup because the starter actually went on to punt at penn state <laughs> So that was funny. I played corner and couldn't tackle at all. There's a hilarious huddle clip of me trying to tackle someone. I get lit up. That's good. You were just great in coverage. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. Went off on a little tangent there. But, um, yeah, got a text and they're like, I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. They're like, all right, come in tomorrow. Going to be a tryout. So Thursday I go in with two other guys. There's a tryout. I meet, like, uh, Frost, a bunch of other coaches and stuff. And I do well at the tryout. They get a text like 30 minutes later saying like, hey, like we want you and uh, this other guy. And then we kind of battle it out for like a week. And then I stayed on. And that's pretty much it. What is what is what is the day like for you as you you were in college already doing stuff? What was your day to day like different as student club soccer versus student Husker football. Uh, it definitely started a lot earlier in the mornings, I'd say. Um, but it, I mean, it changed overnight. It changed. And someone who really helped with all the onboarding, um, I remember him explicitly saying, like, hey, man, like, you think you know it right now, but your life's going to change. Like, you don't get this. Like, I get it. You're an Illinois boy, but this this is going to change like this is big time and so it really did change just that day to day uh managing like friends girlfriend all that jazz uh it was really interesting just kind of changing my entire schedule overnight like that but um i mean it was an awesome experience so when when did you first travel for a game or or did you even travel at all before that maryland game the second to last one of the season <sighs> i got to get Dates right here. Um, okay, 2019. I think it was Minnesota. I traveled to Purdue as well, though. 
Um, okay. So Purdue would have been October 15th. Minnesota was a home game. Okay. And that no, was Minnesota was away. Did I pull up? Oh, I didn't go to the 19. I pulled up this year. For <laughs> whatever reason. Yeah. Grabbing the wrong stuff. Yeah. So Minnesota, October 12th on the road. Purdue, November 2nd on the road. Okay. So you, tra- so you travel for those two. Mm-hmm. Were you were you were you like in competition those weeks leading up to that game, or were you just kind of like the emergency guy if something happened? What was what was the situation leading into those weeks? Yeah, I was I was kind of um, I was in competition. I'd say at that point, um, I I'm trying to think where did that where's the Northwestern game fall in that schedule. The Northwestern game for that year, that would have been just the week ahead of Minnesota. Okay, yeah. So Minnesota and Purdue, there was definitely a chance I was going to kick in those games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Purdue, I might have had a crappy warm-up, honestly, with the grass field. I don't think I had ever really kicked on grass, and I don't know if I was going to get a chance in there, really. Um, Minnesota, I was going to in the fourth quarter, too. I wasn't the starter in that game, but we were getting smacked around, and it was cold as hell so <laughs> how much did you guys know going into the game because this has been something over the last several years is trying to figure out one how much the the pregame how much importance that has mm-hmm. but but who's even going to be the guy going out there whether it is someone kicking field goals or someone returning punts over the yes. last couple of years how much did you guys know going into the game before your warm-ups and then how much did warm-ups impact the decision making on who's going to be the guy yeah. Um, so it probably Thursday, Friday, mm-hmm. you get an idea, you know, you get an idea of who's doing the last, the important reps and everything. Um, so everyone really has a good idea of that, especially after Friday, whoever's doing the last kicks and everything. Um, so I'd say everyone has a pretty good idea going into warm ups, And then, I mean, warmups really don't matter that much. <laughs> um, I think me saying that I didn't get that I probably didn't get a chance in that Purdue game was me just trying to think of something to say because I can't remember <laughs> that, you know. Um, but I definitely do remember shanking some in warm-ups. Uh, but uh, most of the kickers did. And it was kind of funny being on the outside of that kicking brotherhood. It's like, you know, all these kids, they've been they've been shoveling out money since they were 12 to specialize in this, going to Cole's camps and stuff. So they all know each other, all the kickers from all these different big 10 schools. And I'm just sitting there kind of like, Hey, I might actually play. What's up? <laughs> Matt Waldock joining us here on the KLI and Husker hour, talking uh, his experience in 2019. Uh, at what point did you learn that you'd be the guy uh, in that Maryland game in the 11th of 12 games? Yeah. Um, Pretty much that whole week. Yeah. Because Barrett got banged up pretty hard. He got lit up in that Wisconsin game, which must have been the week before. Um, actually, we might even had a bye after it. Um, but so I, I pretty much knew then because I was essentially the backup once I got on the team. And then he was coming back from injury and then he came back and then that happened against Wisconsin. So I pretty much knew then, and I went into that week taking first-team reps and everything. So it was just my spot to lose at that point. And then six extra points, three field goals, just to, I mean, the offense was on fire. The defense was shutting Maryland down, but you were perfect yeah. in that game. Did, 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 you, did you think you, were, you would get that many chances 
in one game. And, and how was it feeling as you kind of built your confidence throughout that game, hitting every single kick? Yeah, uh, I definitely did not think we were going to get, <laughs> I was going to get that many chances. I mean, I was <laughs> just hoping for a couple. I will say I was very happy and fortunate to start off with an extra point. I think if I would have started off with a field goal, I definitely would have been a bit more nervous. <laughs> but um, starting with an extra point was nice and easy and seeing how we got to the end zone and everything. And it just kind of looked like the offense was a well-oiled machine from the get-go in that one. And I mean, that game was just awesome. They cleared out at halftime. It was all Nebraska <laughs> fans. Funny enough, I actually have uh, my oldest brother. He lives with his wife in uh, around D.C. area. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to give two of my tickets to them, and they had two friends come too. So that was really cool. So you come home for the Black Friday game. We know how it ends. But, <sighs> but for you, now you, you've been on the road. The chances of, to kick have really been on the road. You're at home, 90,000 fans, and you're kicking from 40-plus. Mm-hmm. You're out there in front of everybody. It's not just um, going out there for an extra point. What what does that feel like when that's, like you said, there are guys that have been, since they're 10, 11, 12 years old, they know what they want to do. They're, they're going to camp specifically for this. Came to Nebraska because it's a pretty nice school with good sports and the color's red. Exactly. <laughs> now you're out there for the 90,000 uh, fans of the Sea of Red. What the heck is that like? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, quite honestly, and I do remember it, um, but in that Iowa game specifically, I don't necessarily actually remember it. Mm-hmm. Like, walking out, jogging out on the field, I kind of just blacked out. Like, you know, I just was so fixated on this one thing. I had been warming up. You know, you're warming up forever once you, like, have the ball pretty much. And so I was just so locked in in that moment that I, yeah, literally just blacked out. And I do think that my lack of prior knowledge regarding Nebraska football and athletics in general kind of contributed to me not really getting nervous for the moment. Like, I don't don't really care, man. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's football. Like, I, I, I just walked on and like, I am like the last option. So I really got nothing to lose. So I'm just going to go out here, compete. Like I have faith in my ability. I think that if I do anything, like I trust myself, I'll always bet on myself to compete against someone. Cause I love competing, but yeah, literally just going up there, blacking out, getting the job done, whatever, call it a day. It's awesome. Yeah. That, that, that kick you got in the Iowa game was 41 yards. Mm-hmm. What was your range pregame going into that? Like if you were within, 45, were you still going to give it, like, what, yeah, what were you thinking? I probably, I mean, I don't really remember, but just going off here, I would probably say I would have felt comfortable, like, up to 50 maybe in that game because the weather was pretty crappy, if I remember. Um, and I I remember I didn't think that was a good kick, too, I had from 41. <laughs> I think I kind of clunked it, kind of went straight up. But, um, yeah, the weather wasn't the best. I mean, like, if it was a really nice day in Memorial, I mean, I was still getting used to just kicking and everything. But, like, I would have trust in pads and everything with adrenaline. Like, furthest I would even think about was probably, like, 55 or something on, like, a nice day. Because, like, I definitely had the leg strength, but it was just the consistency. Yeah. So that that experience you, you had uh, was, was when a, a Husker team did not have a full-time special teams coach. It was grad assistant it was assistance kind of helping out here and there 
This offseason, Scott Frost hires Bill Bush to be the full-time special teams coach. From your perspective, having been a special teamer, how do you think that will benefit the 2022 squad and the kickers and punters specifically? Yeah, um, I think it's going to benefit it a lot. Um, When you have just that one singular person that you can kind of go to um, with everything, it's going to help, you know. I mean, I coach youth soccer as well in my spare time, and obviously it's a lot different coaching eight- and nine-year-olds than grown adults. But um, at the end of the day, when you have that person that you can kind of go to um, and just with anything and everything related to it and really focused on that, because like you said, I think the primary special teams coach when I played also might have been linebackers coach or something. Like I barely really knew him, honestly. Um so, on to it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And like super, super great guy. Awesome. But just never, he's definitely busier with linebackers than us poor little specialists. <laughs> do you feel like, do you feel like there was some lost, some, some stuff got lost in translation. Some stuff got kind of lost in the shuffle because he was dedicated to another position and, and that maybe that'll be something that gets fixed this season because of the full-time special teams coach potentially yeah um at the end of the day it all comes down to an individual's self-discipline you know especially with a craft like kicking you're not fully involved in every training or practice and so you it's really up to you to stay motivated and stay up to the task at hand and you know be doing something so while yes it's great to have that person at the end of the day it's up to the individual to really, you know, grind when it's time to grind. Well, I think I speak for everybody when I say that that 19 season and, and just watching the kicker, uh, the kicker stuff play out over the course of the year. Uh, it was a little harrowing at times, not knowing what the heck Nebraska was going to get from from the kicker spot. But uh, getting getting a chance to to see you have success at the end was was pretty cool and. Uh, it was awesome to hear your story today, and uh, we appreciate the time. And uh, we, uh, uh, we, we definitely hope for, for more fun stories like this from, from other guys down the road. But, but that was pretty cool, and uh, we appreciate the time today, Matt. Yeah, no, thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys having me come down here, you know, talking about this and everything. I feel like I've talked about it a million times at this point, but, you know, it's nice to talk to it uh, with some unfamiliar faces because I'm sick of telling it to people I know. So, <laughs> You're going to have fun in 2026 going to Kansas City, though, right? Oh, no doubt. Are yeah. you kidding me? That is going to be incredible. That World Cup is, ooh, ooh. I cannot wait to just see what that does for the sport in this country, but that's going to be a party and a half. <laughs> former Husker kicker, but definitely a soccer guy, Matt Waldock, oh, yeah. here in, in, in studio with us. We appreciate the time. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we, we've got some stuff to get to, including the summer position previews rolling along, and special teams is the one we're hitting today, uh, as well as a big uh, commit that the Huskers got. Uh, and, and one of the topics this week uh, that made the rounds around sports talk in Nebraska how many wins is it going to take for Scott Frost to stick around? Uh, we'll talk about all that and more coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour rolling along here on your Saturday morning. A big thanks to Matt Waldock former Husker moonlighting kicker 
wasn't a full-time kicker. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call him that. But he he finished the season out perfect. Scored more points than any kicker on the season in 2019. Uh, and, and that was a pretty cool story. If you missed that or uh, anything else, uh, any of these weeks that you listen to the Husker Hour, you can head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com. You can also hit us up on the Facebook tw- uh, Facebook and Twitter pages at KLIN Huskers. That's where we are right now. Cole, did you Facebook just officially Live. give Matt a nickname? Matt Moonlight Waldock? Matt Moonlight. I, I mean, I like the walk-off Waldock still, but I mean, he moonlighted as a kicker. Yeah. He's a soccer guy, and he moonlighted as a kicker. I, yeah, Moonlight Graham, Moonlight Waldock, sure. So we were talking off air during that break. He almost went to uh, my old school, Southern Illinois oh, he almost Edwardsville. Went to Edwardsville. Yeah, because uh, there there were a lot of folks that he played soccer with through his high school, through his club, that yeah. had gone to SIUE, and so he almost went down to Edwardsville. But then, as I told him, I said you would not have kicked in front of ninety thousand fans at Memorial Stadium. There's some trade-off there. Definitely, definitely would not have had ninety thousand in the stands at Edwardsville. I don't think you can fit ninety thousand around the field. <laughs> to, to be honest, it is not. It is not built for that. <laughs> yeah, pro- pro- probably not. Um, they'll they'll always have that uh, exhibition win over Doc Sadler's Nebraska basketball yep. team. Though. <laughs> um, so as as we as we dig into some of the stuff for this week, we've got the preview coming up for for special teams. We'll get to that. We've got. Some some commit news, some schedule news. At the risk of falling into the trap of of just grabbing whatever sports talk community had this week, which I try not to do, I, I do want to get in a little bit of, of of expectations for this coming football season because it's not obviously there are the agreed upon mutually agreed upon metrics that the USA Today has since sued to find out what they are. <laughs> um, I I just. Part of part of this uh, this discussion of how many wins will it take for Scott Frost to keep his job, part of it gets into projecting this win or that win uh, as as winnable or as they're the favorite. The first thing we all need to do as followers and and reporters and 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 whatever we're all, what all we are in relation to this program, we need to stop assuming that any game is going to be easy. Stop assuming that any game is quote-unquote winnable based on the opponent because Nebraska is not on the same level as Wisconsin or Iowa or even Minnesota or Northwestern anymore. Those, those programs are slightly above Nebraska in, in recent vintage. They just are. Nebraska's recent peers are more of the Purdue or Illinois, uh, and, and that's, that's, just, that's just the way it is. So until we actually see evidence to the contrary on the field, I don't understand how we're going to mark this game as a win, this game as, as a, a toss-up. Is Nebraska capable of playing really well? Yes. But if you want to measure progress this season, I think it's got to start with your division record. That's the second part of this. If Nebraska wants to get anywhere, and in, in terms of improving their standing year to year, starting to challenge for you know, getting to the Big Ten Championship, starting to starting to get back into the top 25 conversation more consistently. It needs to start with winning games inside the division. Frost's best West result so far, Caleb, two wins. Hmm. So go get three division wins in 2022, and I will consider it progress, flat out. If you add a win over Indiana or Rutgers, probably a couple of their peers, 
Uh, plus, you beat North Dakota and Georgia Southern. That's six wins. You're bowling. You get three division wins. You beat Indiana or Rutgers. And then you get North Dakota and you get Georgia Southern. That's six wins. You can get that. Just that That's the only way that you're going to get progress is if you start to win those games against your own division, which they have not done anywhere near consistently enough. Cole, you sound a lot like what I was saying six, seven months ago. When the season ended and everyone was saying, well, Frost is back, it will be better not next year. Not that it should be better, but it will be better this next year because the schedule is easier. And at the time I was saying, well, easier is super subjective here because the teams you're counting as wins as being part of an easier schedule are teams that Frost has not had success with. So as soon as you start to see that and see that these are teams Scott Frost has not had success with, well, how can you count them as wins? Should they be wins? Yeah, probably, but that has uh, that has not been seen yet. Um, also, looking at as as you were going through your six the the six possible wins there, that Rutgers game is on a Friday in Piscataway. Yep, Shiano's going to be weird on a Friday night game like that. That's not going to be the easiest one for the Huskers either. Either, um, so you, you go through. I do agree. You, you got to get some some wins in the division because those are the schools you are most recruiting against. Um, but I don't care when looking at where the wins come from. Scott Frost has to make a bowl game this year, and and that yeah. and that's where it is. And I don't care if he starts out six and zero and then finishes zero and six. Yes, that would be very bad on the psyche of the state, on the psyche of the program. But just have to find a way to make a bowl game. And I am probably the person least enamored with the actual bowl season because it celebrates mediocrity. But guess what? If you get to six wins and you also have six losses, that's pretty mediocre. Nebraska has been less than mediocre for the last four years. They so take what, mediocre at this point. Yeah, so what you have to do, get to mediocre. And, and that, that is, that's an improvement on, on what the program has been. Um, and then that conversation between, uh, between Trev and Scott, that is, all right, were there things that were seen this year that say the trajectory of the program is going in the right direction? I don't know that you could necess- you could not necessarily say that over the last four years. Um, you had guys come through. You've put guys in the NFL. You've had some guys being successful, but you haven't had the, the win results on the field while in Lincoln. So to me, you have to make a bowl game, and then even from there, it is a conversation between Scott and Trev. Um, anything above that, and the argument goes way more in Scott's favor, but um, it starts with getting to six wins. And to me, it does not matter what six games it is. Yes, it would be nice to get them in the division, but however they come, you got to get to six. Yeah, I mean, that's probably right. And and part of part of the the narrative of the year will be the flow of the season, and and it's certainly possible that they could start, uh, you know, six and oh, six and one, uh, seven and one, something like that, and then just crater at the end of the year because their schedule, uh, I mean, objectively is more difficult down the road just based on how those teams have performed in recent years compared to the other teams on the schedule. So so from that standpoint, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's going to be. Uh, likely that Nebraska needs to get those wins early because they're going to be uh, at the risk of sounding like what I just said, don't do. 
Uh, they're more gettable early. I, mm-hmm. I mean, objectively, mm-hmm. North Dakota and Georgia Southern are going to be easier wins than Wisconsin and Iowa. Now, when you parse out Big Ten wins, which ones are more winnable than others, that's that's where it gets a little murky to me. Uh, but, like, they, uh, Scott Frost is 0-4 against Iowa, 0-3 against Wisconsin, losing records against Minnesota and Northwestern, uh, and, and Purdue and Illinois, like I said, those are their peers. That's where they've been even. That is the reality right now. Like, you can't just go out and say, oh, well, Nebraska's going to be better than Minnesota or Northwestern. Uh, Nebraska's going to be favored over Indiana or Rutgers. Nebraska should win those games. Look, maybe, but maybe not. Like, it's not, that's, it's not cut and dry like it used to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is the trap that everybody falls into in the months of June and July specifically. And so I just wanted to throw those things out there is like, don't, don't be the guy that falls into that trap. Like it's not going to be that simple. Uh, it, it, well, it never was going to be that simple with this, this program under <laughs> Scott Frost, apparently, because they had the lightning out of game one and started 0 and 6. So it was always going to be difficult, apparently. But I, I, I just, I just thought that was a valuable conversation to have because we get into this stuff all the time and it's like, why are we assuming that this is going to be the way it goes? Mm-hmm. Never been the way it's gone under this coaching staff or really the previous coaching staff. Now, let's just just real quick on that. Let's play the what if game. Um, mm-hmm. And for Nebraska, if they come out in the Northwestern games and looks like it did last year. All right. Mm-hmm. You're feeling good. Nebraska hasn't been able to feel real good at the beginning of a season in a while. Um, they- they could get a three-game winning streak if they beat Northwestern, North Dakota, and Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. That would be the first three-game winning streak of the Scott Frost era. Right. And then you get Oklahoma at home. And just for for this exercise, Nebraska doesn't just win, but they win by a couple touchdowns. It looks, oh go- it looks good on national TV. You've got big noon kickoff here. You're on Fox. At that point, yes, Oklahoma has got a, a new head coach. They've had uh, some guys leave, but they've also got some guys. I think if Nebraska gets to gets to October and is 4-0 and has looked really good, we'll have to reevaluate from there. We'll we'll just we'll have to. But right now, we there, there there's not enough trust in what the coaching staff has done even with all of the new offensive guys, even with having a special teams coordinator to say that there is any point in the season where we'll have to adjust to a, a higher ceiling. Right right now, the, the minimum you've got to get to is six. I don't really know if this team will get past eight. And obviously, we'll get later in the summer, and I'll have a little bit more Kool-Aid, and we'll go through week by week. <laughs> but right now, it's you've you got to get to six, and eight seems like a real big stretch, so there's not much margin for error. Um, but in a what-if... Man, just look good for those first four, guys. Look real good for those first four. Make us reevaluate. Yeah, if if they are if they are in the Oklahoma game and they're you know they they are three and zero hopefully uh, with with a win over Northwestern out in Ireland and then a couple of uh, those non conference wins that would be a good place to be. That's a start, right? And then you see what you can do against the Sooners down in Norman. Nope, up uh, here. Or, I'm sorry, up here. Yep, last year was in Norman. Yeah, you, you get Oklahoma back here. Uh, for the first time since the '09 season, and 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 you see what can happen, and then you have, then then you have a buy, right? You can you can kind of see where things go from there. Uh, if you're feeling good in that bye week, 
you know, instead of having all the bad juju floating around this this uh, Nebraska <laughs> locker room, you can have some good juju floating around. Yeah, <laughs> at three and one or or maybe even four and zero. Um, so playing the what if game, that's not what I'm anticipating. We'll get to that later this summer, I'm sure. But yeah, we'll we'll play the what if game a little bit. Uh, <laughs> take our next break. Uh, when we come back, we are going to dig into the special teams. We're previewing the positions throughout the summer. We did quarterbacks last week. We've got special teams today. Um, we're going to tell you who the most important person within the Nebraska football program is uh, and what we can expect from the specialists and some of the return game potentially as well. Uh, when we come back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. You and me, we're going out. Catch the main Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. It is time to dig into the position previews. It's summer. It's what we do. And Caleb, the I'm going to start the special teams one off here with a question. Okay. <laughs> Who is... The most important, the single most important person for the success of Nebraska football 2022. And why is it Bill Bush? I was going to say, are you going to say person or are you going to say player? Because if you say person, it is 10,000% Bill Bush. Because Good. of, because I'm, of how I'm glad many, we're on the same page here. Yeah, well, there, there's just, when, when you look at it, and if you're finding within the program who is the most, most important person, um, you could go through each one of the positions and you could say, well, you got to have a return man. You got to have a punt returner because punt return was just a, they said, don't mess up. That's where it got last year. And you were very famously always throwing your arm in the air saying, just fair catch it and try to limit the bad things that can happen. On kickoff return, nobody ever went anywhere. Like, like yeah. even then it was like, all right, just take the touchback so that you're not stopped at the 19. Um, your punters, every now and then it's like, man, there's a great punt, but okay, now we also just shanked one for 13 yards. That's not fantastic. Or kicked it to the wrong side of the field and there's a touchdown. There you go, Michigan State. Congratulations. Or your place kickers. Wonder what the Oklahoma game could have looked like if, if things just weren't flying all over the field. And you go, wow, I wonder which one of those is most important. Oh, it's the guy who's going to be coaching those guys every single day and choosing who it is that gets the nod. It's 100% Bill Bush, Cole. Yeah, 100%. And and yes, this this sitting between you and and Gary Sharp from sixteen twenty. This is this is the move. Anytime we get got a punt return, I wanted right to stab you with that plastic fork up there so bad. Every time you did that, I was like, no, just let someone do something because we can't trust what the offense is going to do. See, and and that while well, that was also probably true, the other part of this is like uh, Bill Bush is going to be in charge of of figuring out. Hey. Uh, maybe we should scheme up a way to actually get these guys a chance to return the ball, mm -hmm. to get mm -hmm. these guys a chance to catch the ball when they're not surrounded by or or having to stare down directly like three of the other dudes yep. on the other team. So that part of it is is kind of the underrated aspect of of this whole discussion. Like they got to figure out how to block up a punt return again because mm -hmm. I haven't seen it for. I mean, you probably have to go back to Demarnay Pearson L. He can make something happen even without blocking, but that's that's another aspect of this. And again, like you said, it all comes back to Bill Bush. He's in charge of all that. Well, a, a, so, a big a big part of that is what have we heard from Mickey Joseph over his first through his first spring? His receivers are going to be special teams guys. 
Yes. Think about the number of receivers that are on this team, the number of defensive backs that are on this roster right now. Um, and you go through and you say, well, that's a lot of athlete. And what you, what you really need in your special teams, obviously, when, when you get into, if you could have an Indomitian Sioux blow up a field goal, absolutely. You want a guy like that. And you're going to have some of those guys in situations. But if you're setting up a punt return, not necessarily going to try to block it, even if you're going to try to block it, you want some athletes up there. Um, but you want some guys that are going to be able to fly all over the field, get in front of somebody, because you don't have to go and hold a block for 10 yards. You just have to get in someone's way so the athlete can get past them, the guy with the ball. So I am encouraged through this first spring that the other assistants are saying, no, 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 our guys are going to compete for special teams positions. They're not going to just play on offense or just play on defense. And that's one of the things, Cole, and you've, you've heard it a bunch with, uh, with Brandon Stye on, on Friday Husker Tailgate every fall. It's that guys that were starters were also saying, I need to be out here for special teams. And I, if there is someone who hates pointing to the '90s for something they need to do now, that's good, that's me. I hate doing that because I'm like, it's a different game. There are different guys, but there is something that is consistent. Your best athletes, your best players start, and those guys should want to be on special teams too. So I think that's going to cause that. That's where Bill Bush comes in. Where? Do, how does he fill all of those guys um, into the punt return, the kick return? They're going to go after a punt block. They're you're you're lining up for your your field goals. How does Bill Bush coordinate all of that? Is going to be really intriguing to see when we do get to the fall and the situations are really important. Yeah, exactly. And so let's let's dig a little bit into some of these positions. And I want to start with the kickoff specialist and my guy, Brendan Frankie. <laughs> we got that lot we got that on lockdown. No need to worry about it. Let's just move on to the next one. Um Is so, it is it gonna be Frankie though? Yes. Are are they still gonna just roll him out there or are they gonna say, Well, we wanna get the, the guy's leg who's gonna be doing the place kicking? Mr. Touchback, Brendan Frankie, you don't need to mess with a good thing. <laughs> Just leave it alone. You let Timmy Bleak Road focus on the job at hand, and that is making field goals and extra points. So, so let's, let's look at the kickers. So we obviously uh, are not going to be uh, looking at the same kicker situation we had last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have Timmy Bleak Road in, transfer over from Furman. Uh, he's going to be the guy. It's his job to lose. Yep. And... I mean, honestly, like you said, the, the Oklahoma game is the first one that comes to mind for the kicking. The, the Michigan State game is the first one that comes to mind for the punting. But it wasn't just those games. There were multiple games yeah. that were affected by the inability to do the simple special teams tasks. And it, so it, it changed the play calling, Cole. It, yes. it changed because there were times that you're like, man, this might be a little bit longer of a field goal, but you can definitely do that. You're like, nope, they're they they're going out and they're just going to punt. Or Specifically or specifically that Oklahoma game, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That, that fourth down interception that was an incredible one-handed catch that actually hurt them field position-wise. Uh, but I, it was... It was within field goal range if you had a reliable enough college kicker. Right. Which on that day, Nebraska just did not have. And so, yeah, it did change the entire mindset of what you could or couldn't try on offense play call-wise, uh, down in distance and situational-wise. So having any sort of reliability out of Bleak Road would be a great start. Um, and and I don't know how you feel about it, but like I, 
I, I really don't know what to expect. I mean, he, kicking is kicking. It's the same dimensions and the same distance and all that. But, man, so much of that stuff is mental, and you just don't know until you see a guy be able to perform at the big stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of those that Bleak Road coming in tells me that he has it's, – it's not been the Big Ten, but he has been extremely consistent. Can he do that in bigger stadiums? I, I would expect so. I'd expect it as we were hearing from a guy who didn't grow up as a kicker, Matt Waldock, just kind of went in, blacked out, got the job done. Just didn't get that last opportunity at the very end of the game. But I think we can expect Bleak Road to do that. So that's one position that I think is going to be better this year. And and and, and I think it's it's Bleak Road or nobody. Like right, like 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 there are some guys that can come step in. You've got some guys who have been around the program, but it's Bleak Road. And that's it. It's not a competition for the spot. No matter how many times we go through fall camp and you hear competitions for positions, it's bleak road. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, looking at punter, then, you've got Brian Buscini. He's going to be the guy this year. You, you, you had William Pristup and Daniel Cherney kind of split time last season uh, with, with, at times, disastrous results. And so, again, it, it's, it is a, a transfer from a lower level. Uh, Buscini from Montana. That is, again, just until you see it, you're hoping uh, mm-hmm. that that they can at least, you know, if, if it's if it's a directional kick, if Bill Bush is confident in him, you know, being able to kick it to the right side, and the whole coverage team is going to the right side, you just hope to heck that Buscini can can kick it to the right side, and you don't have a Michigan State problem again. Um, so uh, the the way that you have both of these. I mean, it, both of them are super important. I mean, you never really thought about how important they were for years, Caleb, as Nebraska <laughs> just kept rolling through. Hey, we got Alex Henry, and now he's in the league. And then he got Brett Maher, and now he's kicking 60-yarders with the Cowboys. Uh, and, oh, yeah, we had Sam Cook, and then we had Sam Fultz, who was awesome. Uh, and, and then, you, I mean, you just had great specialist after great specialist until you ran out of them. Yeah, and, and we were so spoiled. We were so yeah. spoiled. You even think back, one of Nebraska's best baseball players. We're putting is a good specialist. What are yeah, we doing with Erstad back there? Crit- critical to the success of Nebraska in their in their '94 national championship game. Like he was he was pinning Miami deep. He was I think he punted six times in that game. Yeah. That's a that's ab- absolutely and obviously and, and we took it for granted. Well, and and, and we got to mention as you've gone through all of the the great specialists, Sam Foltz. Like like we just you just got to yeah. mention all all of the names that have been in like Nebraskans know these names because you've been able to have a lot of guys come in, they take over a position, they take over a role as an underclassman, and then you just get like three four years from a guy, and you go, oh, that's extremely consistent. There there might be some misses here or there. Some things go wrong here or there, but you knew what you were going to get. Over the last four years, it's been, well, we, we got the Big Ten kicker of the year, and then we don't know what's going to come back from that because there just hasn't been a consistency year over year. Yeah, and and I, I do feel a little bit for Frost. I mean, he, he, he had Connor Culp in 2020 was, like you said, the Big Ten kicker of the year. And, and then, you know, you assume that you're going to get similar type of production a uh, similar type of consistency mm-hmm. from a guy that that has that type of performance in one year, and then the next year it is just not there. He's super inconsistent. Um, you know, he he was open about it. He talked about it, 
but in in terms of his field goal percentage, uh, in 2021, he was six for 12. Mm-hmm. Six for 12. He had a 51 yarder against Oklahoma, uh, but then he missed two of two other kicks in that game that were even shorter. Uh, it, it was 0 for three against Buffalo the week before that. It was it was just a problem. And so you just hope that Bleak Road and Bushini can shore that up for you, and it can just be one less thing to worry about. Yeah. Um, long snapper, real quick. So last year you had Cade Mueller and Cam Piper. Mm-hmm. Um, those two were the main guys. This year they do have another lower division transfer in Brady Weiss from Georgetown. May he be the guy? Uh, maybe he's con- he's competing with the other guys. This one's a little bit different because the the guy who's here last year is still here this year. Uh, that's different from the kicker and punter job. Uh, but that I just want to throw the long snapper out there. Obviously, those guys are important too because if if they're not consistent, then you know their name, and that's a very big problem. You don't want yeah. to know the long snapper's name. Yes. Um, all right. Before we run out of time here, we got to get to the return guys. Yes. There's a ton of them, uh, and and there's I, there's a couple of different buckets. So you have the guys who you have uh, with experience on Nebraska who have returned. You got your Brody Belt, Ramir Johnson, Alante Brown, Oliver Martin. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the unknowns of, of guys who have done it before at the high school level or in Trey Palmer's case in the SEC. Mm-hmm. You hope that that would translate. Uh, but you got your Trey Palmer, uh, Malcolm Hartzog from Mississippi. He's an incoming true freshman. He was a big-time return guy. Uh, Anthony Grant has returnability from the running back spot. Uh, you got, like you mentioned, a ton of DBs, a ton of wide receivers. Uh, those guys are typically your return guys. Uh, again, huge question mark as to who wins that job or those right. jobs in terms of kick and punt returner, but hugely important. Yeah, my my two favorites at the top of that list. One, you got to go Trey Palmer, and you got to think that it's part of the transfer that was brought in, not just what he can do on the offensive side of the ball, um, but what he can do in the return game. It's like you went into the transfer portal and picked up a return guy. Or for anyone who's seen draft day, and it's, all right, what else do we need? <laughs> Get the returner. Go add that on there if you can. Um, yeah. Great Kevin Costner movie again, by the way. Always love Kevin Costner movies. but uh, the, Great great is a stretch there. It's Kevin Costner, so it's automatically great. Um, but the other guy that I like is Elante Brown. And yes, there were times that he got the ball last year, and it was like, man, I don't know what, what you're going to do there. But he's got someone actually coaching the position, actually coaching what special teams is going to do, and I hope he can get some more room out in front of him because I like what Elante Brown can do with space. And he just hasn't had that. So right at the top, I would put Palmer and Brown. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with those uh, thoughts. And, and again, my kingdom for a, a setup of return. Uh, <laughs> get some blocking for these guys, all right? Um, all right, let's take our last break. We got a lot to, to run down real quick before we go to volleyball schedule, Nebraska basketball opponents, and the big commit news of the week. We'll get to that when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. If you missed it earlier this week, Nebraska got the the highest rated commit so far for their 2023 recruiting class. Riley Van Poppel, uh, interior defensive lineman. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the highest rated recruit of the class. He is the son of Todd Van Poppel, the former Major League Baseball pitcher, uh, and, and a huge position of need, Caleb, because 
they got to replenish the D line with some high school guys. Yeah. Grow them within the system. You got Win and Drew for, for 2022. They're good stop gaps, hopefully, but they really need to get some, <laughs> some high school guys on this roster. Yeah. I, and I think that's one of the things when you start to have the conversation about what is the trajectory of the program when, when Trev is looking at that. And I think we as fans, we as media need to look at this too. What does, what does the recruiting look like? What does that pipeline of the next guys coming in look like? <laughs> And I, and I think there's there's a lot of good that's happening there. Um, so you've got Popple coming in, um, someone you are losing from the state, Cade McIntyre, Archbishop Bergen, yeah. uh, going to go play tight end for the Sooners um, out of that same class. So the 2023, you, you've got a couple guys right at the top, um, the Gretna kid, and then out of Archbishop Bergen, uh, Cade McIntyre, those guys both heading down to the state of Oklahoma. Now, something big I was excited about this week, we finally got the volleyball schedule, Cole. Yep. Um, and, and this is something that as I was talking with Jack, throughout the week is there's not a lot of times you can say, I think this is a really good schedule for Nebraska. And yes, there's some backloading on there, but wow, for Nebraska volleyball, who I'm is going to be preseason number one, and if they're not, they're going to be number two, and it's not going to be by much. They have their Husker Invitational with Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Tulsa, and, uh, and Pepperdine. Uh, Pepperdine, by the way, has uh, Haynes' sister on that team. Then, huh. then you get to the Emeritus Players Challenge. Loyola Marymount coming in? Cool. Ole Miss... So you get Caleb Banworth. Then you go to Creighton, um, who Nora Sis just played with a couple Huskers in the Pan Am Cup, the under-21 team. Long Beach State comes to town with Tyler Hildebrand. Stanford comes to town, hopefully with no hair dryers and they're not going to run with any scissors. <laughs> then you go to Kentucky with Craig Skinner, former Nebraska assistant. Then you get into Big Ten play. And you're at home the first weekend with Michigan State and Ohio State, and you run that all the way through a closing weekend. That is Black Friday hosting Wisconsin, and then on Saturday hosting Minnesota. What more could you want out of a schedule built like that? A national championship. Yes. Now, think about this. November 25th, what you are going to get that day. Obviously, we were talking a little World Cup. You're going to get USA-England. You're going to get Nebraska-Iowa. You're going to get Nebraska-Wisconsin volleyball. You're going to get Nebraska men's basketball playing in Florida. You're going to get a full day. Let's make Black Friday great again, guys. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Hey, speaking of Nebraska basketball, uh, they know their opponents and how many times they're going to play within the Big Ten season. Single game home, Northwestern, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Single game road, Indiana, Michigan, Rutgers. Uh, We'll know the dates sooner enough. Uh, Hey, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, to you, Caleb, uh, and to me and everyone.